BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. imaginary completely in your head i have a few of those um but we will be debating what our favorite spider-man movie to this point is um without further ado let me introduce our panel starting with tia what's going on tia hey 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 guys um ready to talk some spider-man it's a little past my bedtime but that's perfectly fine yeah it's (laughs) It's way past my bedtime, but we're still going to make this work, and we're going to make it so much fun for you guys. Uh, Dom, what's going on, Dom? Hey, hey, I'm good. Ready to get down to which spider is the best spider. Absolutely, and possibly a long chain of spider. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> welcoming back to the show, Brittany. What's going on, Brittany? Nothing, just the same old, same old, ready to talk about. I've I've thought about it all day, about which Spider-Man was the best, and I finally came to the answer. It just wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I mean, you know, we've had quite a few bad Spider-Man movies, so it kind of helps to eliminate uh, two. Um, But I really do think there's been more good Spider-Man movies than bad, so that's what makes it difficult. I still haven't made my decision, so I'm not going first. So I'm going to put all the pressure on you, Dom. Uh, <laughs> what are you putting out there as your favorite uh, Spider-Man movie? Uh, so for me, it's it's a kind of a, a tie, and I only say tie because one of them is Into the Spider-Verse, so it's a little easier to do certain things with an animated movie than it is a live action movie. Um, and then the other one is probably uh, Spider-Man 2, uh, the Raimi version. Now, I'm not necessarily 
a fan of Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. Something about them just seemed too, like, bulky and compact to me. While, you know, while he's a smaller guy, he just seemed too, I don't know, something about, something about him didn't seem like a flexible, didn't say flexible to me like a Spider-Man would be. Um, but I loved uh, Doc Ock in the movie. And, um, you know, a lot of, like, you know, with the first one, I, uh, first Spider-Man, I really, which I, I wish they would touch on at least some point, I really wanted to see Hobgoblin and not just Green Goblin. But that's kind of my, you know, 90s cartoon, Spider-Man wanting the, you know, I want to see that on screen. Um, but, but, yeah, the second one was great. I didn't love the third one because, it was I wasn't a fan of the whole Hope for Grace is Venom. He'll forever be uh, you know, um foreman from that seventies show. So I could never see him as a threat. He seems like somebody you would kick around. Um, uh, into the side of her. So I just and it's I just watched this recently, so it's kinda of fresh in my mind. Um I didn't get to see it when it came out, but I watched it on Netflix about a month ago, and it's hard to not like that movie, and it's hard for me not to put that at the top, uh, especially when you get to see all the different um, spider people uh, all come together and, you know, try to figure out what's going on uh, and fix their the multiverse problem. Uh, yeah, so Spider-Man 2... And Into the Spider-Verse are probably my my top. All right, let me ask you this to make this a bit harder for you, Dom. You only can pick one. Which one are you mm. keeping between the two? Mm. Uh, I'd probably do Spider-Man 2. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, like I said, there's a lot of good Spider-Man movies. I honestly don't yeah. feel like no matter what any of you say, as long as it's not Spider-Man 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 2, there are no <laughs> wrong answers. Because, um, I mean, all those would be really, really, really good picks, as long as it's not, you know, those two bad ones. Um, but, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, Alfred Molina, someone I don't think gets mentioned a lot when we talk great villains in, co- uh, in live-action comic book uh, history, comic book movie history, sorry. Um, Alfred Molina was an amazing um, Doc Ock. Maybe not the most conventional, uh, maybe not the most comic book-like, but the yeah. acting I thought was great. Um, I thought the aesthetic of him was great. Um, and that was the only movie to where Toby just kind of felt right. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Toby, to me, just, I mean, and again, I won't speak for what my younger self might have thought while watching those movies, but going back, <laughs> Knowing that he was thirty in high school, I told you guys, it just, it, everyone, everyone walking the halls looked like you know they were in their thirties. And I'm not saying it like thirties is, is old or anything. I'm on my way to thirty. Um, I just mean it's really difficult to enjoy a story knowing that the actor in real life is thirty, trying to portray <laughs> even if it's a senior, trying to portray a senior. Um, he just right. way too old to be in high school. And I, I also was never sold on Toby's Peter. I thought his Spider-Man was always more entertaining than his Peter Parker was. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a, a lot to me was going against Toby Maguire. But, again, 
I think Toby is a phenomenal actor. I think Topher Grace um, is a pheno- is is a good actor. Let me not say phenomenal. Is a good actor. <laughs> Um, I don't blame anything of Spider-Man 3 on him. Um, that's 100% the writing. Uh, and I think what could have saved them is if they had um, if they had done something just simple as when he turned into Venom, have Venom be bigger. Um, yeah. And I think a lot, a lot more people would have kind of been okay with it. But the idea that you had him slim, and then when he turned into Venom, Venom was slim. It was just like... <laughs> Sam Raimi just ignored every comic book that <laughs> someone was trying to give to him. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, Brittany, since you got your mind all made up, I'll go to you second. Excuse me. Um, what is your favorite Spider-Man? Actually, you know, we'll just say movie first, and then I'll ask you guys to pick your favorite uh, actor that has portrayed Spider-Man. But we'll go favorite Spider-Man movie first. Okay, I was going to say that makes it easier because even though this is the movie that I love the most, it's not the not the actor. I was going to say um, the first Spider-Man because I thought long and hard about it, but when I really thought, thought back of, like, beginning to love Spider-Man, it was because of that first movie. Because for me, when you think back, like, as a kid I was obsessed with, like, the origin stories of Spider-Man and I, and I like all the superhero movies. Cause I think around that time, I can't remember how far fantastic four came out during that time. You had Spider-Man, you know, X-Men was coming out, but Spider-Man was so cool because it was like, Oh, he got bit by the spiders. He's discovering spiders. I mean, spider is, uh, and him learning about his powers and like the sheer excitement for it. And even though we've had that in a couple of the other Spider-Man movies, it was just so exhilarating as a kid to watch it. And you're like, holy crap. And I love his costume in it. And, but I don't particularly care for Tobey Maguire because it's like, oh, he's playing a high schooler and he looks like he's old enough to be my dad type feeling. And especially back then as a kid. But um, I don't know. It just for me, that first one had such a sense of like amazement, and I still think back to Uncle Ben in the first one, and it's just like how heartbreaking it was, and just I for me, it was so memorable. When I go, oh, Spider Man, I instantly think of the first movie, even though I don't think of Tobey Maguire. But just for me, that one was so good, and the costume. And you think back during that time as a kid like how good that movie was like it felt real and you're like oh my god how did they do this because I think around that age you know it's still like a lot of the animated movies and even though there was a lot of CGI it wasn't like Transformers Beast Wars like you know when they started animating stuff like that and then you had this it was just so much better it felt real and you're just like oh my god this is the best thing ever so I guess it's the nostalgia for me that just makes that first Spider-Man movie the best yeah, I, I felt the way I felt about Spider-Man one was the same way, and I know you guys tell me I say this, I bring this up too much, but um, it's the same way I felt about the Dark Knight. I left the Dark Knight favoring Joker more than I did Batman. I left Spider-Man favoring Goblin more than I favored um, Spider-Man. Even though I remember as a kid seeing Spider-Man on that big screen was probably one of the the coolest things ever. Um, just because, you know, like Dom was saying before, if you watch the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, um, seeing him on the big screen was just amazing. 
Um, and then it just it felt like they did Spider Man justice with the um you know, just the way they, they handled Spider Man. But Goblin, outside of the fact that his costume was just horrible. Um, <laughs> Willem Dafoe was an amazing Green Goblin. Like his Norman Osborn was believable. His Goblin was crazy. Uh, my only regret was that they killed him off in the first movie because it's like I would have loved to have seen instead of Harry um, taking on the Goblin, uh, I would have loved to have seen Norman like disappear and come back as Hobgoblin. Um, just seeing Willem Dafoe just take his crazy up another notch. Um, that man yeah, still that's... terrifies me. He utterly terrifies me, his face <laughs> and his mouth. Like, as a kid, I was like, this is the stuff of nightmares. Like, I'm going to see him <laughs> under my bed. Yeah, I actually, I think it was my dad. My dad or my stepmom at the time had bought me the action figure of Norman Osborn, but he was on a chair. Um, and on the chair, like, to the top right of it, was like a goblin mask. And every time, like, uh-huh. he pushed down on it, you would hear him, like, say something spooky from the movie. And that toy very quickly went into, like, my toy chest. There was no way that was going to sit out. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he did He did a great job just scaring you with his green goblin. Um, regardless of how you think he looked in that costume, uh, I don't think it's to be questioned how good, how great of a job he, uh, he did as Norman Osborn in Green Goblin. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's a great pick. That, that's definitely a great pick. And it had one of the more memorable scenes in comic book movie history with MJ pulling his mask down. Not too far down, just enough for the mouth to give that epic in-the-rain kiss. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was that movie was definitely a classic. Um, all right, Tia, you're up next. Favorite Spider-Man movie. So um, I guess uh, at first I'm going to be like Dom and kind of do a tie. And I'm going to do Spider-Man 1 because obviously the nostalgia factor really just factors in there. I remember seeing uh, the first Spider-Man movie and absolutely loving it. It's just a classic because seeing uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man swing on screen for the first time was just really cool. And I really liked his costume. I think maybe to this day it's still probably, like, my favorite costume. I don't know. I love the way it looked, the way it was, like, ribbed and everything. I thought it was really cool. Um, as you guys said, Willem Dafoe did an absolutely fantastic job as the Green Goblin. Um, at, when you're younger, you don't think that costume looks as cheesy as it does when you look back at it. So definitely uh, – some aspects of the movie didn't age that well, but other than that, I thought that it's still um, one of the better Spider-Man movies. And then I think for my ultimate pick, I'm going to be basic right now, and you guys can knock me for it if you want, but it is geeks against the grain. I absolutely loved Spider-Man Far From Home, just because I absolutely love Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I love seeing a more mature uh, Peter Parker as far as his Spider-Man went. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal absolutely freaking killed it as Mysterio and like that. Just he's completely there in my like top six of villains in the MCU. And just those fight scenes and those illusion tricks and everything like that were just utterly insane. So I have to pick Far From Home just because I think it was a wonderfully done movie. Um, 
And I, again, I know that's maybe a little easy because it just came out and maybe I'm just doing that because it's in the moment type thing. But as I said, Mysterio, huge highlight. Those two massive illusion fights were out of this world. And I liked seeing, um, you know, a Peter Parker in the MCU that has grown and is taking on more of a an adult superhero mantle. So I have to pick uh, Spider-Man Far From Home as my favorite um, looking back. Maybe uh, I haven't, you know, watched uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2 in a really long time, so maybe if I went back and rewatched it, I would change my mind. But considering it's so fresh, I'm going to pick Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think you're present at the moment at all. I mean, the movie was good. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, it's not like uh, – and the movie came out last week, so it's not even like, you know, we're doing this the the weekend of, of it, you know, being released to where it's kind of like, well, maybe you should sit with it for a little bit. Like, no, it, it's been out long enough for you to make a constructive, uh, you know, decision on what is your favorite. And I think that's a, a great movie to pick. Um, Tom Holland, to me, hands down, is the best Spider-Man. Maybe I'm giving away my stance for, for later, but he's hands down the best uh, Spider-Man and Peter Parker of, of all of them. Um, so to me, it's like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with one of Tom Holland's movies being what's uh, within your favorite. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal is in it, so it's kind of just, it, it, it's not fair. <laughs> like you have it's, Jake it's Gyllenhaal. It's not really... It's not really fair because he's such, like, a fantastic actor that you can't take that away from him at all. And as you said, it's been out now for, like, a week or so, and I've sat on it, I've thought about it, I've let it digest, I've looked at YouTube videos, I've searched gifts on Tumblr, so I feel like I've let it sit enough for me to actually make that decision. Yeah, and like I said, to me, not a bad one at all. Um, that, that movie was really, really good. Um, but all right, we got Pal on. What's going on, Pal? Hey, I'm doing good. So sorry I missed the intro, guys. No, you're, you're totally fine. We're glad that you're on. Uh, we're doing it pretty late. So I was like, ah, maybe she fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> no biggie. I, I definitely was on my way to falling asleep. Um, but all right. <laughs> no, I'm um, wide awake right now. I'm excited to talk about this with you guys. Perfect. Um, then you can, your energy will, will carry on to me and keep me awake. Um, all right. But, yeah, I'm going to go to you, your favorite Spider-Man movie. Yeah, so I um, – this honestly is no um, hard question for me to answer. I am 100% a Sam Raimi fangirl. I love – the original Spider-Man trilogy so, so much, even to the point where I will defend Spider-Man 3. I really will. I, <laughs> I, I will, uh, you know, that movie, uh, even, even though it's not my favorite, I really don't understand why people are, like, even to this day, they still bash on it so much, which doesn't make sense to me because, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. It wasn't as good as Spider-Man 2, but um, I, I still think that um, that trilogy was, is, like, I really do think it's, like, one of the best um, trilogies I've seen um, in movies. And um, because of that, I would say that my favorite um, Spider-Man movie of that bunch was um, like I mean it's kind of it's kind of a basic answer safe answer but Spider-Man two really made 
that trilogy. Uh, Spider-Man 1, the very first one, was amazing. Like, I actually um, think that was the very first PG-13 movie I've ever seen and in theaters. So I remember watching that movie in theaters when it first came out. And, um, and, and you know, at the time, there was nothing like it. Like, I think we just had X-Men movies, but um, or the first X-Men movie. And, uh, and then Spider-Man came out, and, you know, it just started this um, – you know, th- this phenomenon of comic book movies that we know today. And I don't think that we would, we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for, for Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man 2 came out, and I think it just really set the bar high for, uh, you know, when you're continuing a superhero story. And, you know, especially, you know, you mentioned previously that, you know, especially after they killed off the Green Goblin in the first movie, it's like, well, how are you going to match up Willem Dafoe? You know, like, you know, the Green Goblin is one of the, uh, one of Spider-Man's biggest arch nemesis and so like you know what are you going to do to top that well then we got dr octopus and you know the way that he came about you know his story was also just like uh like it wasn't just like your typical um villain that was just going after spider-man like no like he he was a human but he was human just like us and you know something happened to him and you know life happened and you know he just ended up making the wrong decisions and then you know he had some really cool octopus like arms to go with it which which you know i mean it's just you know comic book story so i i just i really do love that movie and um to this day i i still think that um the andrew garfield movies and sadly even the tom holland movies like i still can't say that i love those movies more than what sam Raimi did in the original spider-man trilogy and so yeah i feel like and that might not be a popular answer for a lot of people, but I I just can't um, deny that um, those Spider-Man movies. I like even to this after watching Spider-Man Far From Home, I still haven't been able to. My mind hasn't been able to be stable. So that's what I would say. Yeah, listen, Kyle, I am with you. I am a huge Sam Raimi fan. I still to this <laughs> day defend. Um, Oh, man, I just want to drag me to hell. I think that movie is a classic and doesn't get talked about enough. It is so well done. Um, And then the twist at the end that everybody keeps claiming, oh, well, you could see it coming. No one, I went into a theater Friday night. I was in high school. I went with my dad and a bunch of friends, and literally everyone that went to my school was was at that that showing. Everyone was, was, was shocked at the end of that movie because it was just well done. It was something so small that as the movie progresses, if you forgot about it, it completely caught you off guard. Um, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi does not get enough respect, um, and, and he deserves a lot more than he's given. I will agree with you on the sense of those first two movies, I think, could be deemed as classics. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. argue it. Um, <laughs> I think I like more of those first two movies than I hate. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the one to argue that with you. Um, I will say... Sam Raimi with that third movie, mm-hmm. I would say irritated me the way that um, Nolan irritated me with his third movie. It kind of just felt like something he didn't necessarily want to do, and it kind of showed. Um, and I want to say this, Sam Raimi, if you're listening, I know you are. Not really, but anyway, mm-hmm. you created the necessity of multiple villains in a superhero movie. You were the first yeah. to do it. You did it badly. Everyone else who has done it has done it badly. It's just not a good formula. Um, we saw Amazing Spider-Man 2 take almost the exact same storyline to use for Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
It's just yeah. not a good strategy ever. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the one knock I want to give to you, Sam Raimi. I think you're a genius. <laughs> um, I think the directors that have come from your branch are geniuses. Uh, we saw that with Don't Breathe. Um, but it just, it, Spider-Man 3 is a movie that kind of seems like whether it's Raimi, the writer, or the studio, they just threw a bunch at the wall and was hoping something would stick from it. Um, but that third movie fell prey to something I say anytime someone directs a superhero movie, and, and it's usually this. Do not be too smart uh, for your own good. And sometimes trying to be too different is not a good thing. And him going for Topher Grace, not a good thing. It's just it's you trying to be too different, um, and it didn't work. Then the whole Sandman thing to where Peter's like, I forgive you for killing my uncle or for being part of, of what killed. It was just, it was like, what is, who am I watching right now? <laughs> this is really bad. Um, so, but again, I, I love, I love your take, you supporting it. Um, I love you supporting it the same way I love Dom supporting Age of Ultron. Um, <laughs> no, I will fight Dom forever about that movie. It's just Dom, me and you one day just have to have a phone call, man. Uh, and can I say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Good. So, 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 like, the last thing I wanted to add, which I forgot, which was kind of, like, one of the big reasons why I still love those movies to this day is, um, I think it's just really neat how, um, you know, it was back in Oh gosh, was it 2000 or 2001 when it came out? 2002. Um, like, and it was just you know obviously the technology uh, for, um, for for like you know the stuns and the camera work wasn't where it's at today. And so uh, looking back, and you know it's, I'm I'm talking about specifically for Spider Man, the first Spider Man, um, the last. Uh, part of the movie where he's swinging through New York City and the camera work was actual camera work it wasn't green screen or anything like that the only thing that was added in post was you know Spider-Man and it's just like kind of like like it blows my mind that you know they were able to do something like that in the movie and like you know today um, especially with like I, I, a lot of people criticize Spider-Man Far From Home with how kind of video game like uh, Spider-Man uh, looked like in the movie because it didn't look too it, it looked way, like way too much like a video game not so real and um, you know thinking back to like how um, the original Spider-Man was like and the way that they handled you know his web swinging uh, scenes and stuff like that I like you know I kind of miss the you know the good old days like how they used to do it back then and that for me that's like um obviously with the, the part of nostalgia that people were talking about um tonight and um that was something that i want to make sure to mention because you know you, you just don't see camera work like that as much as before a lot of people just roll out on green screens now which is okay i mean that's the technology there that's what it's for but yeah it would be nice to be able to see something like that again in the future spider-man movie um Tyler, yeah i just want to say okay. that um i I looked it up, and the first Spider-Man actually came out in 2002, and you're absolutely right that, like, the camera work was gorgeous. And I have to throw out here really fast, and I know this is a Spider-Man discussion, so, like, feel free to ignore me. But recent reports (laughs) say that the upcoming Joker movie, there's not going to be one single green screen. So people are still... Yeah, people are still out there wanting to make movies that make sure that they don't use the overuse of CGI. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, movies like Joker, 
um, three, not 300, I'm sorry, uh, movies like Watchmen, Joker, stuff like that. I call comic book films usually because they're able to do things um, that are more film-oriented and less uh, grabby for, for people who are just looking to see um, Spider-Man swing through the city or Batman pound someone's face in. They pay a lot more attention to detail. They pay a lot more attention to getting the things right. Um, and Joker kind of feels like it's Todd just paying attention to detail and wanting to make a film, not just a movie. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to that. And see, I, I didn't mind you bringing that up at all. Um, I, mean, that, mm-hmm. I, I love hearing stuff like that. Um, but I will say, uh, pal, to your point, I think Raimi with that first Spider-Man, the ending of him on the, the flagpole, iconic. Mm-hmm. The kissing yep. in the rain, iconic. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, there's just so much he gave us that I, him holding the train or, or trying to stop the train with the wet, iconic. Um, yep. I even, I even, I can't really think of many good things to say about Spider-Man Three, but the scene where he's having lunch with MJ and then his spidey senses go off and there's a car flying through. I thought that was an epic shot. Um, so, I mean, th- there's a lot that Sam Raimi did with, with his trilogy that I thought was good, but I don't think it's, it, I think it is well known that Spider-Man 3, if you thought the first two were classics, was definitely mm-hmm. a tremendous step down. Um, yeah. It, it, just, it, it, it was, it kind of just felt like and it's funny because Sam Raimi said not not too long ago, uh, I think we actually re- reported on it in an article, um, that he thinks about doing, you know, he always thinks about what he would have done with Spider-Man 4. It scares yeah. me because Spider-Man 3 was so bad, but if there's anyone who could have <laughs> redeemed himself um, with a fourth movie, it 100% would have been um, Sam Raimi. And I can tell you this, I'd rather see Spider-Man 4 done by Raimi than Spider-Man 3 done by... Um, Mark, what, what's his name? It's Mark something who did the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. Like I think mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man Two was worse than Spider-Man Three, and that's really difficult. Um, so I definitely had no interest in seeing that franchise continue. Um, but I would have been interested in seeing a Spider-Man Four, uh, mainly to see who the villain would have been that Raimi would have uh, decided to pick. But um, I do love it anytime, pal. Anytime someone gives Sam Raimi love, I think he doesn't get enough of it. So mm-hmm. I'm right there with you in the support of Sam Raimi. That third one, yikes. Him <laughs> dancing in the street, that was just... Ooh. Yeah, that's iconic, though. Come on, it's iconic. It's, a, it's memeable. <laughs> it, it's a meme that will literally last forever. Um, in today's time, that's a good thing. But for back then, that was just... I remember I went to the midnight showing of that, and we all left the theater like, we stayed up to watch this movie, and this was this is what we got. Like, no, no. Uh, but, yeah. But um, we'll uh, we'll definitely move on. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go Homecoming. I'm gonna go Homecoming is my favorite Spider-Man movie. I want to go Far From Home. Uh, but to me, what stood out with Homecoming was um. The first time we actually, I thought, got a comic-accurate Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Someone who was believable, someone who was lovable, someone who um, had that. To me, Spider-Man and Flash, what I love about those characters is they allow their positivity, they allow their innocence to kind of always seep through, so they're bound to make mistakes. 
Flash is too believable. Peter is too believable. Um, and I wanted to finally see that show to where it was like, all right, well, here's this kid that's vulnerable. How is he going to be able to balance not only high school but now being a superhero and elevating it to now being an Avenger? Um, and I thought Homecoming did a great job of setting that up. And to me, what I thought was iconic of that movie was the ending where Stark's like, step out, you know, let people know who you are and become an Avenger. And he's like, no, man, I just I want to protect the neighborhood. Like, this is my focus. I'm I'm the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I, I don't protect the world. I protect New York. And I love that. And I thought that was iconic. Um, and you guys know I'm a huge Ultimate fan, so I thought Tom Holland not only looked exactly like um, uh, the Ultimate version of Spider-Man, um, but they just hit on every possible cue. Uh, for making that character just great. So Homecoming is where I'm going to go. But all right, let's move on. I want to open this up a little bit more. I know I didn't prepare you guys for this, but I think we always have better conversations when I don't prepare you guys for anything. Um, Before we get into our favorite Spider-Man, I want to talk favorite villain from the Spider-Man movies. Again, that could be animated, live action, whatever. Um, actually, let me see who I want to start with. See, I'm actually going to start with you. Who is your favorite villain from the Spider-Man, uh, movie? Oh, that is such a difficult question, Juwan, because I do automatically obviously want to go Mysterio, right? Because I think that he's one of the best villains in the MCU. But... I'm going to not say the obvious to myself, and I'm going to go with Vulture. Because Michael Keaton was so good in Homecoming. Um, Like, just, first of all, I loved the almost, like, realism with it. You know, he's a guy who was just looking for a way to provide for his family. Yes, he was doing it through pretty criminal, uh, you know, ways, but... It still just was so good how, first of all, his personality was. I love the scene where he was uh, the one guy played by Logan Marshall Green, I believe his name is, and freaking Vulture goes to, like, blast him with something and it disintegrates him. He's like, oh, I didn't know that's what this did. And just the whole thing was great. And even that, like, I still think that that scene in the car where he has his daughter go off into the prom and then he, or whatever it was, homecoming, and he looks back at Peter and he's just kind of, thre- like, he's not threatening him just as a villain, but he's also warning him as a dad. And I just think that that's still one of, like, the best, like, scenes there. It was just so... Um, you, you held your breath during that moment. So I really have to give... Uh, kudos to Michael Keaton's portrayal in Homecoming. When I heard that the reports that he was returning from far, or far from home were false, I was actually very upset. Of course, I'm happy that we got Jake Gyllenhaal, but I really wanted to see Michael Keaton return for that role. So I have to say that as far as favorite villains in the Spider-Man movies, it has to be Michael Keaton's Vulture. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're taking a character that literally no one cared about, 
um, and you're bringing in a huge name like Michael Keaton to bring, um, you know, a little bit of credibility to the character, and he knocked it out of the park. I mean, Vulture was terrified. Um, not necessarily in the sense of how Goblin terrified me as a kid, but I'm sure Vulture scared some kid out there. Um, it was just a really great modern take on it. He was great um, with what he did with that, that character. And we know this will not be the last time that we see him. But, yeah, I will say to you, um, mm-hmm. when he opens the door uh, and, and, you know, Peter sees him, it was definitely a, a WTF moment uh, for the theater <laughs> that I was in. Everyone was shocked. It was kind of just like, I didn't see that coming. And I'm like, that shocked you. I'm like, it shocked me that Liz Allen is a love interest. And we're paying attention to Liz Allen. Like, that was what shocked me. Um, well, and so then also, and also yeah, I have to say that the, I thought the costume was terrifying. Um, when yeah. there's, several, there's several scenes, especially in, like, the warehouse where he comes down with those wings that, to me, it's just, it was terrifying. I'm like, oh, my God, poor Peter. He's a kid. He's a kid, and this is an adult who is pretty uh, determined to really do whatever he can to make it out with his stash. And when he's having that conversation with Peter about how, like, this is how the world works, it pretty much shits on guys like us, the normal people, the working class and everything. You know, for a moment, like, my working class self kind of, like, sat there. I'm like, yeah, you know what, Michael Keaton, you right. You right here. But no. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I just had to throw that out. But, yeah, that was certainly shocking when I did not see that coming when he opened the door and it was him as the father. I'm like, oh, my God, how is Peter going to maneuver this one? Don't yeah, get Kia I mean, wings because apparently she's going to become a villain and, like, start spilling stuff. <laughs> it is it is bad because there are plenty of villains in, like, the Marvel Universe, both in the movies and the like uh, Netflix shows that I was like, you know what? They got a point. <laughs> yeah, Marvel. Wrong. Yeah, Marvel has a really good, uh, really good track record of making you feel sorry for their villains. It kind of at some point kind of makes me feel like you want us to root for the heroes or the villains. Like it's it's a little confusing. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, I will, I will say what they did with Vulture. Like as soon as I left that movie, I remember telling my dad, like, man, I wish this could have been, like, the villain for, for Iron Man 2. Um, and then, like, you have him come back to try to exact revenge on Stark, and that's how you get him in Homecoming. Um, just anything besides my bird. My bird. Like, Mickey Rourke, I think you're a phenomenal actor, um, but that just was not a role you should have been given. Um, and I'm sorry that you had to be given that role, because you were horrible. Um, but nonetheless... <laughs> I digress. Let's move on. Um, Brittany, I'm actually going to go to you next. Who in the Spider-Man live-action or animated movie has been your one favorite villain? It's hard cause, oh, well, my first thought went to, like, the TV show, and then I was like, wait, wait, wait no, 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 no. Movies. Movies. So then I – it's really hard because I want to say Vulture, too, because I did love how, like – it was like he still had that fatherly role. But then again, I kind of think of like, I kind of think of Green Goblin. Because even though if his costume was corny, at the time, he terrified me. He absolutely terrified me. And where I was like, oh, I get it. You know, he's doing X, Y, and Z. But actually, no, thinking on it, I'm going to go with Vulture. I'm giving it to T on this one. Because I actually like that 
at the end, he does know Peter's identity. He has all the chance in the world to just, like, expose him. But he actually was a truly redeemable character, which Marvel kills a lot of their villains. So it was actually really nice to see one, like, live and him actually have, like, a reason for why he's doing things. And, like, it was still followed the humorous way of, like, how Peter when he goes over to their house for dinner or like before the, the dance and it's just like the dad's so protective. And I was just like, which I didn't know Michael Keaton was that attractive. So everybody always loves an attractive villain. He's one of the only attractive villain, except for Jake Gyllenhaal. So I'm giving wait, it to wait, the one. Wait, wait, Brittany, are we talking about like only in Spider-Man movies or the MC as a whole? MCU as a whole, because if you're saying the MCU as a whole, I have to call bullshit on that, because there are oh, plenty no, of... <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm talking about Spider-Man. I'm talking about Spider-Man, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm like, go oh, revisit every me. Marvel movie. I will. Yeah. I will. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm ready I'm here. so personally attacked right now. Coming out with the gloves right now. Uh, he is like, do you need to see my Loki tattoo? Do you want to see it? <laughs> yeah, I can, name, I can def- name off at least five, all right? <laughs> at least five. I'll definitely say um, a lot of people thought Michael Keaton was attractive for um, from the Batman. Um, so to see him as the vulture, I'm pretty sure just reinvigorated people's thoughts already. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy was Batman, so it's kind of like ugly people can't really be Batman, right? Like, it doesn't really sound like it goes hand in hand. Um, but all right, um, let's keep, keep moving down the line. Uh, pal, I'm actually going to go to you next. What villain are you going with for your favorite Spider-Man, um, villain from the movies, live action or animated? Um, this is a hard one for me to answer, actually. I thought I would know the answer right away, but I am, uh, I'm kind of tied between either, um, the Green Goblin or a Dr. Octopus. Um, I really, um, when I was a kid, you know, because when I watched these movies, I was a kid. Um, so obviously when you watch movies when you're younger, you just have like a different sort of um, idea of who these villains are. And um, I agree with everyone, like your Green Goblin especially. Like I remember that one part when Peter was dreaming and the Green Goblin just kind of like, came out of nowhere uh, in front of the screen and, like, yelled, ah, and I, I was so terrified of that when I was younger, and I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I had nightmares about it. <laughs> it was just so scary. Um, but, like, it's just kind of, I think the reason why I kind of lean towards the Green Goblin is just because of, um, you know, the stakes that were there. You know, at the time, he didn't know that it was Harry's father, but we knew the connection that the Green Goblin had with not the Spider-Man, but with Peter Parker. And so that was, um, I, I, I like that connection and how um, it just made things so complicated for, for the rest of the movie because we don't want him to be defeated because if he was defeated, then, you know, how's that going to affect Harry, Peter's best friend? And, you know, we obviously know what happened at the end, and that pretty much kind of sets the tone for the rest of that trilogy series, right? Because... Uh, Harry and um, Peter, their friendship has 
um, been sort of rocky, you know, obviously in the first movie when they were trying to go for the same girl. Um, the second movie after Harry's, Harry's father passed away, obviously, you know, he just hasn't been the same. And then the third movie, well, we, we won't go there. But, um, but um, because of that, I, I do like the Green Goblin just because of that, um, the personal connection that he had with, again, not just with Spider-Man, but with Peter Parker, which is kind of why, uh, like, you know, you guys were, um, I agree with the Vulture being a very popular villain for um, the Spider-Man movies we've seen so far, because, you know, at, for throughout the movie, we didn't realize the connection was there until, like, the last part of the movie. And when that uh, door opened and you saw his face, it was like a slap in the face. It was like, whoa, what is going on? Like, now there's just, you know, things just got really real there. And so, um, for me, like, you know, that moment was great. That car ride in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming was, like, I will say, like, an honorable mention. That scene is, without a doubt, one of the best Spider-Man moments I've ever seen in a movie. Like, that was just tense. It was, I felt, I, I felt it. Like, I was, as if I was in the car, I was just like, man, this is just awkward. This is just super, super tense right now. And, um, but even with that, like, I still think, like, I go back to uh, the Green Goblin. And even Dr. Octopus, like, I liked how, um, how you know, his origin story was like, um, wasn't just like, you know, he just didn't turn evil out of nowhere. No. Like, you know, he, he lost his loved one. And, um, and he pretty much turned into a monster in a way. And I, I kind of like that he had this bird, like literally a burden that he carried around on his back that, um, yeah, he, he just ended up using it for the wrong choices. He wanted to use it for good, but then he ended up using it for, um, for really bad things. And, um, I also like how, um, in a way he kind of sort of redeems himself at the end of Spider-Man 2, which is something that you don't really see um, in a comic book movie where a villain does kind of turn around in the end at for you know the, his very last attempt to make things right before his untimely death. And so that's the reason why I go back to those two villains because um, otherwise most comic book movies, they um, like the Dr. Octopus, like they, they don't turn out like him. Like they usually either get arrested or they die or um, they just don't ever change. Um, and then Green Goblin, just because yeah, that personal connection really did um, set uh, the the tone of the movie for me, especially watching it as a kid. It's just like, wait, what's going to happen? It's like, wait, I don't want him. I want him to lose, but I don't want him to lose. And I also don't want Peter to lose because he's a superhero. But this is, yeah, it's just like, how do you handle something like that? Um, so, yeah, that's what I would have to say about that. Yeah, both, both really good. Uh, you know, Doc Ock struggling with the uh, tentacles, I guess, trying to take control um, and him losing himself more and more. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really great to see Peter kind of talk talk him out of becoming a true villain. Like, dude, like, you got to stop, man. Like, look at what you're doing. Um, and he made the ultimate sacrifice to uh, save Peter and pretty much save the, the city. Um, so yeah. he did have a bit of a redemption. We do not know officially if, you know, for that universe, if he died, um, you know, we didn't really get more from it, uh, which just would have been better than bringing in uh, Sandman and Venom for the next one. But I, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Green Goblin. I, I told you, uh, um, what a performance, and I, I felt that when Peter jumped and you saw the glider go into the, to the Green Goblin. 
Um, I I felt like that whole end battle I thought was very suspenseful. Um, It was great. It played out very well. Uh, And I'll say this, Spider-Man 1 and 2 aged really, really, really well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, Not a lot of superhero movies age as well as Spider-Man 1 and 2. I watched X-Men 1 the other day, like the first X-Men. It didn't age well. (laughs) To me, it didn't age well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know what about it. Like, uh, maybe I have to watch it another two times. I don't know what about it specifically. It just didn't feel as cool as I remember it feeling when I was younger. Um, so, therefore, I feel as though it just didn't age well. Like, I could watch X-Men 2, and that movie still feels pretty cool. Um, but the first X-Men, just I, I, I don't know. Something about it, to me, didn't age well. So, I mean, mm. that that's definitely a... Um, a uh, you know a, a good for for the first Spider-Man and the uh, Spider-Man Two that they just age really well, um, and I think everything marketing-wise around it just was great. Uh, the first two games for it were great. The two first two movies were great. The merchandise as far as the toys and stuff um, were awesome. <laughs> were really good. And yeah, see, I agree with you. Um, one one thing I, I really hope this is getting off on a bit of a tangent, but Dom, I'll bring it back to you. Um, <laughs> X-Men have never done the costumes correctly. They've never gotten the hype for the characters correctly, never gotten it. The thing that's the most confusing, and I will admit I have not seen the newest X-Men. I probably won't ever see it. Um, But what's confusing is, if I remember correctly, Apocalypse ended with them having accurate costumes. Like, it had the colors to it. Everyone looked like their, their comic counterparts. And then you see the trailer to uh, Dark Phoenix, and it's like, no one's wearing those costumes. And it's like, I, I don't get it. What, what was the point? What was the point of showing the cool costumes just to come out and say, no, we're just going to either go to all black again, which is stupid, or we're just not going to wear them. So I, I, I don't know. A, a lot about Maybe the X-Men universe. Budget. To me, it's like, here's the thing. If you take the way Wolverine looked in the first X-Men, like how it ended, how, you know, they had the X on the belt, everything was just all black, you making it yellow and blue should not have been that big on the budget. It, it just shouldn't have. Um, you making Scott yellow and blue shouldn't have been big on the budget. Um, so I, I would be really curious as to why. Then again, um, Hugh Jackman did say, the director, I can't remember his name, uh, did kind of tell everyone that they weren't allowed to read comics, uh, mainly because his movies weren't going to be based off of any of the comics. So maybe that's why. But anyway, let's, let's get back on track. Uh, those costumes are really bad. Um, but, pal, really good choice. Um, those are great villains. Really, 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 really good villains. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to not put them in top ten best villains of all time, uh, those two characters. Yeah. So. Very, very, very good pick. Yeah, but um, honorable mention of Vulture for sure, because that scene in Spider-Man uh, Homecoming definitely sets the bar high. Um, you you could t- you could cut attention with a knife. That's how you know intense that was. Yeah, it was it was very tense because it was it was at that moment to where you kind of as the viewer you're like, I think Vulture knows that he's Spider-Man. We definitely know that Spider-Man <laughs> knows that he's Vulture, but yeah. it's when the bad guy finds out the identity of the good guys to where you're kind of just like, all right, what, something's got to give here. And and it was just a great <laughs> setup to what I thought was a great ending to that movie, whether it's from the boss oh, yeah. battle or just purely the dialogue. So kudos, yeah. kudos to John Watts. 
Um, all right, uh, Dom, I'm going to you. Uh, you last, my brother. Uh, round this up with um, your favorite villain. So, if you were to tell me in 2007, before Spider-Man 3 comes out, that I'm going to be talking about this years later, I would have, I would be like Venom, of course. But then we saw the movie, and that's not the case. Um, so, I, mine is probably going to be uh, Green Goblin with Vulture being a close second. And for the simple fact of the the dynamic, like you guys said, of like everybody kind of knowing the identities, but they can't really, they don't really want to say it out loud because they know if I say something, then they're going to say something, and this is going to ruin my plans. Um, but like Willem Dafoe, his whole, just him by himself in general when he's in the movie and he's having, you know, self-dialogue, when he's like completely unraveling into his villainous, and, you know, he doesn't want to do certain things, but the other half of him is like, no, we have to we have to go get him. You clearly know who it is, and we have to go kill him. And especially when they're going to eat, what, like Thanksgiving dinner, and Peter shows up late with the, the, with the cranberries and has a cut on his arm that he clearly just got earlier or from fighting with Green Goblin. He's like, oh, what happened? Oh, I yes. got Clipped by a bike messenger, and they're like, "What? A bike messenger? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's not a big deal." Um, and then when he goes to his room, and then he walks in there, and the blood hits the floor, and he like looks up, and he's not there. Like the whole that whole setup was it was great. Like Willem Dafoe, honestly, they could have just done a Green Goblin movie, guest starring Spider Man, and I'm pretty sure it would have turned out just as good. Um, and Vulture. Um, kind of the same thing of just like, you know, the fact that he was um he he was an opportunist and the fact that like, okay, we're we're I have to make ends meet and do what I gotta do and hey, the battle of New York happened, y'all left all these weapons around, so I mean it's not my fault, you guys kinda <laughs> turned me into this. Um so yeah, like the whole dynamic of, you know, knowing each other and what to do with that information uh, when you kind of know that I'm just a, at the end of the day, I'm just a guy, so he could easily get rid of me when I assume that he's superpowered, uh, and vice versa, uh, just makes for a great on-screen dynamic. Um, but yeah, Green Goblin definitely has to be the guy because one of the so, if nothing else, he plays eccentric very well. Um, as you, like Boondock Saints, he's kind of a similar character, and he's just kind of weird off doing his own thing, but always knows what's going on. Um, so, yeah, definitely top top acting right there. Yeah, I'm actually going to – I originally wanted to pick Mysterio, um, but I'm actually going to pick Green Goblin also, purely for this, this scene alone. Um no one mentioned it yet, but I want to give a huge shout-out to uh, Mike and Danny from when I did the uh, Far From Home review with them. Danny had brought, in this, uh, had brought this up, and this scene to me was, was iconic for a villain. Um, you guys remember when uh, Goblin had, I think it was a, uh, a rope, and he had Mary Jane. He had a rope in one hand, Mary Jane in the other, and he was telling uh, Peter he had to choose, yes. and he was going to drop yeah. a bus full of kids. And then drop yeah. MJ. And mm-hmm. seeing him save everyone was the most Spider Man thing I think I've ever seen in any <laughs> of these Spider Man movies. 
Yeah. Um, only for that to be clipped by him stopping a train in in the next one. It was just like <laughs> Sam Raimi knows how to like <laughs> how to even better. The yeah. Right. Um, so I, I thought that was just that was great villain villainy villainry whatever. Um, it was just great to see. Uh, and then before that, I remember seeing. Uh, I remember the scene where MJ rushes into her apartment. The phone's ringing, and she thinks it's Peter. It's actually. Um, I think maybe I have that confused with Spider Man Three. I might have that one confused. Um, but he also calls Peter, um, and I think Peter thought it was it was Aunt May, but it was it was him. Um, and he kind of felt like he was gonna he was gonna harm Aunt May or whatever. Um, it's just it's it's a lot that Sam Raimi did really good uh, for the Goblin in that first movie that just made it just feel so good. And like I said, that scene where he's holding the the bus full of kids and he's holding MJ and he's like choose, like that is a villain. And I thought that was great. I honestly did think Mysterio was going to give us a moment like that with with MJ. Um, and it's kind of hard to do to to go as ho- to go as hard as you want your kids. So it's like, all right, well, there's only a certain amount they're really going to do with kids here. Like, I don't think Mysterio is going to hold MJ by the throat and, like, drop her off a bridge. I, I don't I don't think they're going to go that route. Um, so, I mean, you know, you did have an advantage with Peter looking a lot older than he was supposed to be in the movie. Um, you could do things like hold MJ by the throat and drop her and then drop a bus full of kids. Um, but yeah, that that moment to me was very iconic um, with the Green Goblin, and I honestly can't think of much that really tops that um, because that that you can't get any higher for stakes. Like that that's as high as you get. Um, so I'm definitely going Green Goblin on that one. Um, so huge shout out to uh, to everyone who said Green Goblin, and again shout out to um, Mike and Danny for reminding me of that because I haven't seen the first Spider Man. I want to say in, in in a while maybe. Um, so I completely forgot it. So huge shout out to them for that. All right, let's move on. We're now going to finally talk best Spider-Man. Um, and whatever your qualifications are, you can go by just purely the actor, the actor that you like, the performance that you like. Um, but I want you guys to kind of expand on why you chose who you chose. So we're going to kind of make this simple. We're going to go Andrew, Toby, Tom. That's what we're going to stick with. Um, we're not going to put into the Spider-Verse into this, um, only because it's really hard. You have so many different moving variables in that, and it's like, let's just let's stick with the big three. Um, Dom, I'm actually going to start with you. Um, Tom, Toby, uh, Andrew, who was your favorite Spider-Man? Uh, hmm, that's, that's a difficult one. I think um, my favorite... Peter is probably Tom, but I think as much as I don't care for Tony McGuire, I liked him as Spider-Man. I just liked the, um, I mean, the whole, you know, Sam Raimi's movies, there was more, it was more of a grit to it, and I liked the, you know, Toby Spider-Man was down to throw hands. He's like, you know what, my my web's not working. I'm going to swing. My mask is going to come off. I'm going to be bloody. I'm about to win this fight. Um, so I definitely liked the more – it was kind of – it kind of felt like Batman-esque. It was like – and the fact that I I did enjoy the fact that, you know, his web came out of his body. I, I mean, I like both, but 
I feel like if I get bit by a spider, I don't want to have to make my webs in my room and then have to go use them. I want them to come out of my body. Um, So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with probably Toby's Spider-Man and Tom as Peter. Because Tom is just, I don't know, that kid is golden. He's definitely going to be, like, the next great whatever he wants to be, honestly. Because um, that kid has can play a range of emotions, make you feel a range of emotions. And I'm not an emotional person, and I don't like it when he makes you do this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know how much I like. I'm not really an emotional person either. I don't appreciate Tom trying to get me to cry every time he's in a Marvel movie. Um, it's just it, it, it's annoying at this point. It's like, dude, stop! Like, I, no one's here to cry, man. Um, but yeah, I will say, man, there's just something about Toby that I, just, I just don't like. Not as an actor, just him as Peter in, in Spider-Man. And I'm also gonna say this: I'm never a fan of the webs coming out of his his actual body, um, <laughs> only because I want to see I want to see something happen like um, the end of Far From Home. Uh, where he yeah, thought he didn't something. have any more webs, and he had to get conventional. Uh, well, yeah, unconventional, yeah. sorry. Um, and I like that. I like the idea of him saying, you know what? I got nothing else. My back's against the wall. I'm going to do what I know, and what I know is to fight. Um, and he fought, and I thought he did an amazing job. <laughs> Excuse me. I will speak to that, though. Um, we did see Tobey Maguire kind of go through that in Spider-Man 2 when he lost his powers. Um, but to me, I want to see you fight when you don't have your web. Um, and I right. think Tom Holland did that best. Um, so that's the only issue I have with the webs coming out of the body. It's kind of just like it's 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 a scapegoat to me, really, because it's like, <laughs> well, he can really get out of anything now. I mean, the webs are in his body. Like, you, you don't have to go home, oh, I forgot my web shooters. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't need them because it's in my body. Um, so that's my biggest issue with that. Um, but like I said, man, I I enjoyed the first Spider-Man. So you picking Toby, I got no issue with that whatsoever. Um, Tia, I'm going to go to you next. Who's your favorite Spider-Man? All right, so before I state my favorite Spider-Man, I have to say I'm with Dom. I like that Toby Maguire Spider-Man could produce the web from his actual body. I thought that was cool. To me, that added more to the whole spider of Spider-Man. Um, just to me, it seems logical. I'm like, I already got this bioradioactive spider, and that's what spiders do. They make webs. So I thought that uh, was a really cool concept, and obviously there's something very nostalgic about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I still love him to this day. I mean, he was our Spider-Man. Just, And I want to say even to the degree that Hugh Jackman was Wolverine. Um, just I don't think anything can take that away, but... My favorite Spider-Man has to be Tom Holland. Um, He plays a fantastic Peter Parker. He has heart. He has this uh, overall, like, innocence to him, and he still has that belief in the good in everything, willing to do whatever. He's eager, but also, you know, he's vulnerable, and that's really nice to see. Um, and I like his fighting styles. I like that he's just very uh, acrobatic. I think one of you guys said earlier um, he seems very much uh, just his fighting style is really great. And I really enjoy, like, seeing him move. And 
the fact that there was a video recently of Tom Holland where he just like randomly did a backflip in front of everyone. And I'm like, all right, well, this guy naturally is very fit and very much uh, in tune with his body. So you can tell that that goes into these fighting scenes. So it has to be Tom Holland. I've enjoyed everything that I've seen from him. I mean, when they first announced that they were going to cast a younger Spider-Man, and yes, I know that Tobey Maguire's and Andrew Garfield's were in high school too, but obviously they were older. Um, But when they said that this kid was going to be, like, young, I was really skeptical because I think we talked about this on another podcast. Like, I hate when they're too young in movies. Like, I don't want to see that. Um, But he, from day one, uh, just absolutely won my heart. As soon as I saw him on screen in Captain America Civil War, just absolutely fantastic. I really hope that we get more of him in the years to come. Yeah, to to your point about going younger, I'm with you on that. The reason why I was hyped about Tom Holland um, is because I told you guys before I'm a huge fan of Ultimate, uh, the Ultimate Comics. And the thing I loved about Spider-Man's run in the Ultimate Comics was um, Norman Osborn found out that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So you know how, like, normally villains will attack you, like, on your walk home or you're on a date somewhere? Nope, Norman Osborn turned into the uh, the Beast Goblin and attacked him at a school. And I thought that was so genius because I'm like, why wait? Like, attack him when he's the most vulnerable. Um, and, and I just thought that was genius. And what I loved about the idea of making him young for the movies is the idea of seeing, like, how is this kid going to balance being in high school, knowing that, you know, and now we know that the world knows who he is. So it's like... You could be in math class and Vulture just swoops in and decides he wants to start fighting you in your math class. Like, I love the idea of that. I love the unpredictability of him being so young. So it's like he's vulnerable in a lot more places than an adult would be. Um, So I I love that. I love it. Um, And they've done a great job with him being young since Civil War all the way to now. Um, So I think that was great. And then the younger they are, the more you can use them going forward. We don't have to worry about the fact of, man, is Tom Holland getting too old? We don't have to worry about any of that. Um, so young sometimes works. I don't want young for my Power Rangers, though, if you're listening, uh, Hasbro. I don't want that. That's stupid. It's stupid. Um, but anyway, let me move on. Uh, pal, I'm going to go to you next. Um, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. Who's your favorite Spider-Man? So, automatically, I would say um, Tobey Maguire is my favorite Spider-Man. But that's not to say that I would still – I still wish he had other uh, parts of Andrew Garfield and other parts of Tom Holland in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man that I love. Um, The reason why I say Tobey Maguire is my favorite Spider-Man is just because – um, I don't really think of him so much as when he's just Peter Parker, but I think of him when he is Spider-Man. Um, I think uh, in the beginning it may have, it may have been Tia Brittany, but like they mentioned that um, the costume from the original Spider-Man movie was uh, their favorite, and I would have to agree. I think out of every Spider-Man movie I've seen, I think the original Spider-Man costume was definitely my favorite of so far, even even after watching the new Tom Holland movies. 
And um, so when I think about Spider-Man in full costume, that's what I go back to. I go to that image, to that costume. Um, but I kind of wish that, um, you know, it Tobey Maguire could have been um, the, the or, or I guess like the Peter Parker version of Tobey Maguire could have been like Tom Holland, like, you know, the younger, you know, the, the younger person who is actually in high school looks like he could be in high school. And we can see, you know, what it's like to be in school and be struggling with this uh, superhero identity and also trying to live a normal life as a teenager, um, which we really didn't get to see much in the, uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, just because, like, when, in the first Spider-Man movie, he was already graduating high school. Then he went off to college, and we kind of see a little bit of the um, the struggles with that, um, very, you know, in between the movies and stuff like that, but nothing like what we have seen in the Tom Holland movies. So that would, that would be nice to incorporate that in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And the reason why I mentioned even a little bit of Andrew Garfield is because I, you know, the, what I loved about the Andrew Garfield version of Spider-Man is how um, uh, witty Spider-Man was. You know, like he was very quick to his feet with these comebacks and always had to say something, always had to comment about something when he's fighting with a villain or taking out the bad guy. And when I think about Spider-Man, especially like what I've seen in the television shows, that's what I always like. That's what always stands out to me is how um, just just how much of a jokester Spider-Man can be. Like he just has always has something to say, and it's kind of like a nice comic relief to what the action that's going on. And I feel like the best Spider-Man to have captured that uh, characteristic is the Andrew Garfield version. So that's why I wish that we could take a little bit of these uh, pieces of each um, Spider-Man and put it into the Tobey Maguire version, which is my favorite. And then right there, you would, you would have like the ultimate package. I will say uh, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man and Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool would have, would have had an amazing time on, on screen yeah. together. Um, <laughs> sure. But I definitely do favor Holland's wit more only reason Tom Holland's wit works, and if they can kind of get away from how depressing the MCU is right now and get Spider-Man back to what we know him to be, is because mm-hmm. he's so young. So everything to him is a joke. Like, he doesn't, you know, the fact that they've made this Spider-Man experience as much as they have so early on, um, it kind of dilutes the humor a little bit because he knows how serious each moment is because um, he literally died before it. So um, I don't know how witty you're looking to make him in, in those moments. But yeah. if you just strip him free, let him be who he is, Tom Holland has the wit to be a great witty Spider-Man. I think you kind of yeah. get a feel of it in the first one. Um, but the second one, obviously, the stakes were so high. And the third one, the stakes are going to be even higher, so I doubt we get it. But if you can get the Even the Avengers Spider-Man, movies, I would say even like in the Avengers movies, when um, all the um, – superheroes like and you know this is the first time he's ever meeting them i felt like he was very witty and funny uh in those moments just because obviously yeah, he's I mean, a kid and like yeah he just had no clue what was going on and had to had to say something and yeah i thought even those moments like that was actually when i really appreciated that uh way more than um how he was in his standalone movies yeah i mean we saw it in civil war we saw it after he took the shield he's like like hey, hey everyone like Hi, cat. <laughs> it's like kids. Yeah. Stop talking. Like we got a job to do. Um, and then in in Infinity War, it's like, hey, kid, how'd you get here? 
Oh, I was on a trip to MoMA, like, you know, just talking casually, like aliens aren't on another planet trying to kill you. Um, so, I mean, there's moments <laughs> where Tom Holland shows you he can be that witty Spider-Man. And I think if you allow yeah. him to be that more, he will be a, a complete package of all three of them, of what made mm-hmm. each of those three special. Um, but unfortunately, I think what works against Tom Holland is that he came into the MCU at a point to where um, it, it's becoming drastically more, it, it had become drastically more serious uh, than comical like we knew Marvel movies used to be. Um, mm-hmm. So that's very unfortunate for him. I don't see the third one being more funny. I, I think Far From Home, I think everyone was funny except for Peter because the stakes were so high. Um, right. So, so yeah, I mean, my biggest issue with Toby was that he never felt like Peter Parker. It just, at no, no point did he ever feel like Peter Parker. His Spider-Man right. was was what it was was pretty good. Um, Andrew Andrew was a horrible Peter Parker. His Spider-Man was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought he nailed the wit, but his Peter Parker was worse than Toby's. It's like they were trying to go for a more modern Peter, and it was just like, no, no, this no, that's not the way to go. Like that that wasn't yeah. the smart thing to do. Because um, he was just so weird. He was awkward. And it wasn't, like, good awkward. It was just, like, this is really uncomfortable to watch. Like, can he mm-hmm. just get in the suit already? Um, so, I mean, that, that's kind of where I lean with, with a lot of these characters. But, like I said, Toby was a great Spider-Man. I had no issue with Toby's Spider-Man. Uh, I thought he could have been funnier. Um, but, you know, I didn't think he, had, he was a bad Spider-Man. Andrew, I thought, because um, it's hard to judge Andrew because the second one was so god-awful. Um, so you want to kind of focus in on the first one, but it's like, is one movie enough for me to really judge, uh, what I thought of his character? Like we've seen Tom Holland for like five movies now. We've seen Toby for all three of his. I, it's really hard for me to, to judge Andrew because that second one was so bad. I, I don't know if, if I hated his acting, the writing, everyone else's acting. I, it's just so much to choose from to hate with that second movie. Um, so it's really hard with Andrew, but I will say this. I remember when the Sony emails had leaked, I remember saying, man, seeing Robert Downey Jr., uh, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth with um, uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, like, I think it I think would be a lot of fun. Um, and then us not getting that. I do remember I felt really bad that he didn't get another shot. Um but now I look at it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm grateful he didn't because Tom is exactly the Spider-Man I've always wanted. Um, so it, it played out pretty good for me. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but, Brittany, um, going to you, who out of the three of Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and I was going to say Topher Grace, but he was not Spider-Man, sorry, um, Andrew Garfield, out of the three of them, who was your favorite? I, I feel like in this whole thing, it's just been like, Andrew Garfield, get out of here. It's either Toby or Tom, but, um, uh, which I feel bad for saying that. I just love those two. Um, I'm going to have to say Tom Holland, but I will say, uh, piggybacking off of Tia and Dom, it's like, I like that he could produce the webs in himself, less Toby Maguire his Spider-Man and also how they actually showed like the little hairs poking out on his fingers as like the reason he could like climb things and give it a little more in depth with that. But I have to say Tom Holland as a whole, because even though I love Tobey Maguire as 
Spider-Man, it's kind of like what you were going back and saying, Joanne, about how you're kind of like, oh, just get in the suit already. Tom Holland is the only one out of all of them that the entire time I was like, oh, I haven't even thought that he hasn't gotten in the suit for half this movie. I, You know, I wasn't ready for just Spider-Man. I enjoyed him in the suit, out of the suit. But with Tobey Maguire, even as a kid, I was just like, okay, okay, let's let's get past the awkward weirdness and all that good stuff. Just, you know, get in the suit. Get in the suit. I'm ready for the cool aerial shots, the fights. But I just didn't enjoy him as Peter Parker. And it's like Peter Parker and Spider-Man are two sides of the same coin. It's like it, Tom Holland, for me, is the whole coin and the whole snack. No, I'm just joking. But <laughs> but but my thing is too is I just looked it up and I know this is like a little small tangent. It's I feel like Tom Holland is so short compared to both of them, but I actually just found out that Tom Holland and Toby Maguire are the same height and that took me so off guard. I thought Toby Maguire was <laughs> definitely taller. Definitely taller, but nope. They're the same heights. But like I say, it's just like, I love Tom Holland. He's adorable. He's cute. He has that hyper. And he he embodies Peter Parker. Because you hear at their interviews or how uh, Benedict Cumberbatch has to do the interviews with him. So he makes sure that he doesn't say any spoilers. And they have to always catch him because him and Mark Ruffalo are the worst about doing that. It's just he's Peter Parker. He's adorable. He can't be trusted with secrets and he's just hyperactive and like a kid with too much sugar he's just like for me I'm like this is Spider-Man who I can feel like he'll grow into it but for me it's kind of like Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland are kind of like I haven't got to see into the Spider-Verse yet and I'm upset about it because you know I love Spider-Gwen all that good stuff but it very much for me was like a Miles slash Peter Parker moment where if they would have been in a movie together, you would have had the older Peter Parker teaching young Peter Parker how to be Spider-Man. They're just different. They're their own players. Yeah, I will say Tom Holland also benefits from an age of social media. Um, You know, because when Toby's movies came out, I want to say MySpace was, was a thing. So, you know, when they did their premieres, you couldn't really see much. Um, interviews were, were more televi- television-based than for you to be able to go on your phone and go, oh, hey, like, look how relatable Tobey Maguire is talking in this interview. Like, it wasn't as easily accessible as it is now. So we have more chances to see um, Tom Holland outside of the character, Peter Parker, um, for us to fall in love with him as a person and in love him even more uh, for what he, what he brings as, as Spider-Man. So I think a lot of these, these characters that will be grabbing the torch, like whoever the next Wolverine is, will obviously have a way better um, advantage than Hugh Jackman did when he first started, uh, mainly because it almost wasn't his role. It was almost Russell Crowe's role. Um, so there, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but I think all three of these actors are great actors. So that's the thing I take away the most. They're all great actors. Um, and just unfortunately we have to choose which of them uh, has done a better job in the role. Um, and for me, it's, it's easily Tom Holland. Again, I, I am biased. I love the Ultimate Comics. He embodies exactly what I've read in those comics for years. Um, and I love the fact that uh, you know, he looks like him also. That that helps. 
Um, but he just embodies, like I said, what it means to be Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Like they're just, it's, you look at them and it's like, man, they're vulnerable. Um, they're young. They're, you know, they believe anything. It's the same feeling I had when I saw the first season of Flash. It was just watching Grant was just like, this is, he's not blonde. Like I would have preferred him to be, but this is Barry. This, this, this is the Barry Allen uh, you know, in Flash that I've read in these comics all, all these years. Like, he embodies it to me. Um, I know a lot of people disagree, but I love Grant's Flash. I love Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Um, so, to me, like I said, there's just too many things against to- uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in their respective roles as, as Peter Parker that I just don't like. And I think Tom Holland does a better job. Again, you could say it's writing, you could say it's directing, whatever. Tom Holland, to me, just does a better job. Um, and to me, he had the toughest road. Like, he had the on-the-fly interview in front of Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans um, to get that role as Peter Parker. And I remember that was at the time where everyone was really high on Asa Buford um, as, as being Spider-Man. So no one wanted to give this kid a chance. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to say, like, oh, I knew Tom Holland. No, I was one of the people that was like, yeah, Asa Buford. Um, and then, you know, we see where we're at now, and we're like, Kevin Feige does it again. Made a great decision, um, and they casted a great kid in, in Tom Holland. So, bravo to them. But all three of these guys, very talented. Go see their other movies if, if you have not. Like, don't let Spider-Man 3 be the only thing you've seen with Tobey Maguire, please. Um, <laughs> go out and see his other movies. Um, but, all right, I, I want to kind of open this up a little bit more. Um, and what I want to open it up to is I think we've talked a lot about Spider-Man, obviously, because that's what the episode is about. But we do have something coming up this weekend that I'm really curious to get you guys' thoughts on. And this can kind of round out the show for us. I wanted to know, I'm looking at this. Actually, before I get into Comic-Con, I wanted to ask one more thing that I think is, is more difficult. Um, for me and Powell, might be a little biased, but I am curious. I want to know who you guys think has been the better director out of the three of them. Let's not judge their body of work, just what they've done with their respective uh, Spider-Man books. So we're talking, I think it's Mark something. Someone please look that up for me. It's Mark something uh, who did the amazing Spider-Man movie. Um, we have Sam Raimi. Mark Webb. See that, Dom? You're my man. Uh, Mark Webb. It is indeed Mark Webb. So we got Mark Webb, Sam Raimi, and John Watts. Um, T, I'm actually going to start with you first. Who has been your favorite director just from the Spider-Man movie um, out of the three of those directors? I guess I would have to say the Sam Raimi um, movies because those first two were absolutely phenomenal. And as we've talked about throughout this show, I mean, some of the fantastic shots, the way that he decided to devise certain things. Um, just overall, you know, yes, the third one was really just, I don't want to say hot garbage, but hot garbage. Um, but still visually very nice. So I think that it should definitely go to Sam Raimi. I obviously love what John Watts did in Homecoming and Far From Home, but I still want to give it to Sam Raimi. Fair enough. Like I said, uh, all three of them, I think, have at least undoubtedly one good Spider-Man movie. Um, depending on who you favor, you could say two. 
Um, but each of them has at least one good Spider-Man movie. Um, Brittany, I'm going to go to you next. What director out of Mark Webb, Sam Raimi, and John Watts has been your favorite? Oh, that is hard. Because, you know, my brain instantly wants to go to, like, you know, the recent because of everything with Marvel uh, that's been going on. But if I guess I would have to say, uh, how do you say his name, Sam Raimi? I'm going to have to go with him just because, like, it was the jump start. Like, it, it wasn't riding the coattails of, like, the success at that point. Because I don't think there was anything else it was feeding off of. It was just one man going off of his own thing to make something good, and it jump-started this, you know, it already was big for comic book characters, but it was it was one of the first comic book movies. And even though uh, I think I think that the more recent Spider-Man movies have really fed off of the uh, how successful the other Marvel movies has been and getting that excitement up for Spider-Man and that you just kind of accept everything going on. But with the first Spider-Man, 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 is he basically just made it from scratch and did it how he wanted to do it, and it worked, and people loved it. And Spider-Man became one of the most well-known, most liked, superhero characters because it's like you had at a time everybody you know arguing like oh is Batman better you know you had the DC and you had just him making it good enough for everybody to go oh my god I love Spider-Man look how acrobatic he is so I think for just the sheer of not having something else to ride off of I will have to say Sam Raimi see I go the opposite of the point you made because I think it's easier because you're not world building You don't have to go based off of anything, so you have the freedom to just make whatever movie you want. And we saw too much freedom is how you get Spider-Man 3, and too much freedom is how you get the amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, So I think (laughs) the higher degree of difficulty comes from John Watts. I mean, again, yes, can we say he has a safety blanket of the Avengers movies? He has a safety blanket of Kevin Feige who's going to come in there and go, I don't like any of that. Um, sure, but that also is a knock because you look at it and you go, all right, if you're John Watts, you create this movie, Kevin Feige walks in and goes, no, I don't want that. I don't want that because I needed to connect all of it. So it's harder to make a movie that you want. Um, so I give a little bit more credit to the idea that you have a higher degree of difficulty. If you're Raimi and you're Mark, you literally walk in a room and Sony's just like, make good Spider-Man movies. And it's like, all right, cool. That's all I have to worry about. If you're John Watts, you walk in that bil- you walk in that room, and Kevin Feige's sitting there like, "All right, let's get to work." And you're like, "Oh, I kind of thought this was just gonna be me and the writers." And Feige was like, "Nope, I'm here. You're gonna hear what I have to say because you have to follow an agenda that we have." So I think that sometimes might make it a little bit more difficult if you're trying to do something that's just organic in its own. Um, and so I give Kugler a lot of credit because none of that movie felt like Infinity War was coming right after it until you get to the end credit scene. It all felt like it was just a, its own thing. Um, so I think that freedom kind of just sets you up to just be able to give a better movie. But it's when you get restricted, you have Sony's wants, you have Disney's wants, you have Feige's wants, and then you have to squeeze in what you would like in there. Um, I think it just makes it harder. Um, but again, I could be completely wrong. Uh, I, I didn't study film or anything, so I'm not going to act like I know it all. Um, but I could imagine that could make things a, a little difficult. It's a lot of cooks in the room. Uh, 
Um, pal, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, I kind of feel like I know where you're going to go, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless. <laughs> Ramey, Webb, uh, Watts, who are you going with? So I, yeah, I mean, you're right to assume. I'm going to pick uh, Sam Ramey, but I'm going to go a little further and also mention that um, I also believe that um, not just because of Sam Ramey, Sam Ramey, sorry, excuse me, um, but the reason why um, I love the original Spider-Man trilogy so much is also because not just of the directors, but I also believe that the soundtrack in those movies are one of my favorites. Uh, Danny Elfman, like I even like just the other day, I was just uh, wanting to listen to the uh, opening theme of the original Spider-Man movies, and it's just because that, that song is just uh, it's just iconic, and it's just like one of my favorite um, uh, movie soundtracks to listen to from time to time. Um, and I also like the even um, the cinematographer of. Not he he wasn't the one for the first Spider Man movie, but for Spider Man two and three. Um, he uh Bill Pope is uh the cinematographer of those movies and I really like uh his work in those movies, even if Spider Man three wasn't the most uh wasn't the best movie out of the three, because um, he ended up working with other movies. He was also the uh D P of the Matrix, so he definitely had experience with um several types of movies, um and because of that, I think like just like um, all of those uh, features and those different characteristics of a movie definitely make this a stronger trilogy, in my opinion. And um, you know, without the direction of Sam Raimi, I don't think that we would not have had any of that into fruition. Very fair point. Very fair point. I'm mean, like I said, you're not even get me to necessarily disagree on anything. Sam Raimi, uh, love the guy. <laughs> love the guy. Um, Dom, uh, wait, no, I went to Tia. Tia, did I go to you? Yeah, you went to me. It's all good. <laughs> all right. All right. The, the sleepiness is kicking in, so I'm like, I, I felt like I left someone out. But all right, Dom, you were definitely the person that I left out. Um, <laughs> so, Ramey, Webb, and, uh, and John Watts, who are you going with, Dom? So so normally I'm a um a dark aesthetic kind of guy, so normally I would go with Raimi. Um but since I'm a person who doesn't um emote often, I have to go with John Watts just because the simple fact of me feeling like like a little kid, like it transformed me back into like being like a kid in the nineties watching the cartoon, how I felt watching the movies. Um and 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 it's and it's weird because I'm not normally into you know overly bright movies like these ones were, but the the feeling factor and then how everything was set up is very much um, and, and that's how I feel movies in general. If I if I don't feel something, the movie's terrible to me, and the fact that I felt such a way with these movies. To go back and see him a second time, I definitely have to go with John Watts. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think I saw Amazing Spider-Man once, uh, Spider-Man 3 once. Um, Spider-Man 2, I think, was the one I saw a few times, excuse me, in theaters. And the first one, I'm so young when I came out. I was terrified by Green Goblin. I think I saw that when I was young, <laughs> just the once. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I have to feel, I have to feel a connection. I, I never like 
um, the chemistry of Toby and Kirsten. I I thought Andrew and um, what's his name? I thought because they were dating in real life that the chemistry would be more uh, it'd be more fireworks to the chemistry. Instead, it kind of felt like they never met before, or if they have, they didn't right. really like it. It just it felt weird. Um, so then you get to Zendaya and Tom Holland, who I'm almost a thousand percent sure dated at some point. Um, the chemistry just feels it feels like what you'd assume kids, you know, a relationship with kids would be like. A little uncomfortable, right. a little weird. And then you sprinkle in the idea that not only are you going to have to figure out what that relationship is, your boyfriend's a superhero. Like, the biggest superhero <laughs> on the planet right now. <laughs> one of the biggest superheroes on the planet right now. So it's like, it's so much to deal with. Um, how she deals with it in the third one will really determine how I feel about their chemistry together. But I think it's been great so far. Um, and that's not easy to do. Uh, and if you think it is, watch Fan Four Sticks because all of the scenes uh, with people interacting with each other just felt like they all hated each other. And I know that's not the case, but the dialogue was so weird. It was like it was written for robots, not humans. It was <laughs> so uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, for directors, I'm going to go John Watts. Uh, for the points that I made before, I think he has the higher degree of difficulty. Um, I think if John Watts were making his own Spider-Man movies just for Sony, that didn't really have to lead to a world building. Um, maybe it would. I would see it differently. Maybe they might not be as good. Maybe they'd be better. Who knows? I just I, I know for these directors, we do see a lot of the times where they have agendas to work off of. Um, that's why if you're Feige, if you're smart, you want to make a lot more of these movies independent, stand on their own. They don't necessarily have to lead into the next movie. Um, because then you get Captain Marvel, which I thought only existed to to make up for why she was in Endgame. Um, and, and I thought that was not only unfair to the directors, I thought that was unfair to Brie Larson's character, because come Endgame, we saw her for like five seconds, and it was just like, really? That's all the hype, and she was in it for just a little bit? But if you had faced out the movies, um, I think we would, that character would have been a little bit more receptive um, because you could have just let Captain Marvel be its own thing instead of it literally just being the linchpin um, for Endgame. So, I mean, you know, we've seen it work good. We've seen it work bad. But to me, I give John Watts a lot of credit for making these movies as good as I think they are um, and making this character of Spider-Man so freaking good. Um, all right, we can get into our final topic of the night before we close it out so we can all go to sleep for work tomorrow. Um, I want to know just really quickly so we can close this out, what everyone is looking forward to the most from San Diego Comic-Con this weekend. Um, Tia, I'm going to start with you first. What is the one thing you're looking forward to the most coming out of this weekend? Um, so do you mean just like, say, at the Marvel panel or in general? No, no, just in general. Anything that, that you're intrigued by the most. I'm really excited for the Amazon, uh, like, events that they're having. They're going to be featuring the boys um, and a few, like, other stuff that, for some reason, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but of what Amazon Prime has in store for us seems really cool. And HBO is going to be there, and it's going to be, uh, like, Westworld involved. And Westworld probably has to be one of my favorite shows. I think people are sleeping on it. If you want another kind of mind, 
you know, fuckery type of show now that Game of Thrones is gone. Westworld is great as well. So I have to say, like, yes, I'm excited for Marvel as well to see what they reveal, but I believe we spoke at some point that they probably won't reveal too much until D23. So other than Marvel, I have to say Amazon Prime and HBO's events really have me intrigued. Yeah, I'm I'm already trying to get James to uh to meet up with Karen Fukuhara. We were at New York Comic Con, same time she was. I couldn't get an interview. And a lot of you guys joined after Suicide Squad came out, but I was literally like the only person who was fanboying for, for Katana more than any other character in that movie. Everyone was talking Harley Quinn. I was the loner in the corner just talking Katana. So the fact that the boys is going to be there, Tia, I'm like, James, you got to get me something with Karen Fukuhara. Uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> biggest crush on Karen Fukuhara. So I'm looking forward to Karen Fukuhara for San Diego Comic-Con. That's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. <laughs> uh, Dom, I'm going to go to you. What are you excited for uh, coming out of this weekend? I think for me, every Comic-Con year, the biggest thing for me is just like all the different previews and exclusive clips to get dropped because there's always something that you never heard about. They're like, oh, they're making this. You're like, I didn't hear anything about this. Where did this come from? And then it just gives you this anticipation to see whatever's next is going to come up. Yeah, I mean, Comic-Con's great for that. And like I said, it's funny because a lot of us are going to New York Comic-Con, so it's like we hope San Diego doesn't give away too much, so it leaves a lot for us. (laughs) Um, but, um, but yeah, no, we, um, you know, San Diego always gives us that one surprise that you kind of like, I didn't see that coming. Like I can almost guarantee you guys, whether it's San Diego or New York comic con, stay tuned for something about Godzilla versus King Kong. And and that, Mm. that's something I'm definitely really excited for that I think could steal the weekend. Um, because we're talking two of the biggest monsters to ever, uh, exist going against each other. And what the director is now saying, there'll be a definitive winner. That that blows my mm-hmm. mind. That completely blows my mind. So I'm hoping we get a, at least a teaser trailer. Because they've obviously pushed the release back to later uh, next year instead of early next year. So hopefully we get something at one of the two cons. But I would assume we'd get a teaser um, from uh, San Diego. Uh, Pal, what are you looking forward to coming out of this weekend? Um, I don't know, since, you know, especially with uh, Marvel kind of uh, chilling out for a bit um, after Avengers Endgame and Far From Home this year, I don't think I would be expecting any announcements from them anytime soon, although if they do um, mention anything about their Disney Plus series or even, like, just the future of uh, Marvel movies. Um, I think that I would be really interested in that. Um, I don't know if you know if it would be uh, if I would be off to say um, the Joker. Like I, I'd, li- I'd like to hear more about that movie. Thing as that's the next superhero movie we got just around the corner in in a few months. Um, and I mean the thing is like I uh, there's always so much going on in um, Comic Con that like like it's not just like superhero movies, but, like, pretty much, like, geek culture and, and pop culture in general, there's just so much going on, and it's so hard to, like, keep track of everything, and I'm also the kind of person that I don't want to get spoiled, 
too much or see too much footage or too much too many pictures because like I like to keep those the the kind of movie watching experience fresh and completely um, oblivious to what has been shown to the public. So um, I I I'm very selective of what I read and what I don't read. Um, but uh, you know, not just that, but like I'm also looking forward to D23. Tim mentioned that you know there there might be some things that may not be announced right now this weekend, but eventually in um, in D23 we might see some more um, some more announcements that uh, we we'll be looking forward to uh, regarding like the future of movies and TV shows that we're all looking forward to. So yeah, I I I'm I'm really excited to see. Uh, what surprises are going to be uh, pulled out this this weekend? I would bet money that Joker will have its second and final trailer. Um, yeah. This weekend, um, I, I would be shocked if it didn't, or at least at the latest next Tuesday. Um, I'd be shocked if we didn't get one at all. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say for Marvel, don't expect anything about um, Disney Plus. They will a hundred percent save that for D twenty three. Um, the biggest thing for Marvel, we'll get something from Black Widow. We'll get the full cast for Eternals. We'll get a surprise casting, I, I would guess, of Shang-Chi. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think of what else. That's probably really it. But the only reason why I'm thinking it could be more is they got, they got I think, 90 minutes or maybe 120 minutes. Um, so that's a lot of time. Um, and it's like you don't have anything from Eternals because you haven't started filming. Black Widow only just started, and Shang-Chi, you're, you're still casting. So it's like it's not a lot of footage, which is why I think if Feige is doing it for as long as, as they plan to have the time for on Hall H, it's because he's bringing out, uh, he's bringing out something big. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he maybe gave a Fantastic Four announcement here and then gave a bigger picture at D23, um, or maybe did – a bigger picture here and then maybe saves Fantastic Four and X-Men for D23. Um, I just wouldn't be shocked if if he has something up his sleeve that's bigger than just the three things we're assuming in Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Black Widow. Uh, It just, Mm -hmm. if it's 90 minutes or 120 minutes, that's just a lot of time to talk about two movies that haven't even started and one movie that's just started. So that's why I think he has a a lot more under, uh, under his sleeve than we think. Um, for sure. Excuse me. Um, yeah, he, he is right. I am crossing my fingers. There's John Krasinski for Fantastic Four. Uh, that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be that would be literally perfect. Um, it, it would be the one time fans campaigning literally just, just worked out. Like, I don't think I've ever seen it work out that way uh, before. This would be literally, like, the first time. Um, so it would be interesting to see. Um Brittany, sorry, completely lost my train of thought. Brittany, uh, what are you looking forward to seeing coming out of uh, San Diego Comic-Con this weekend? I guess I'm, I'm kind of with uh, Dom on this one, where I'm just excited to hear about everything coming out, where it's not particularly just one thing, but it's like, I love Reddit. So whenever San Diego Comic-Con comes around, Reddit's all like, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, blah, 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 blah. It's just like it's so nice to just see the excitement, the buzz about everything. Because you know, sometimes with uh, with news coming out, things kind of have those mellow lull moments. So it's always exciting when there's a big event going on where you know there's going to be a lot of fresh new information. Um, 
a lot of things clearing up speculation of what's coming out or if you're like, oh, well, I heard a rumor this might happen and then San Diego Comic-Con comes around, which I'm just trying to see how many times I can say San Diego Comic-Con before the end of this talk. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it's just like uh, there's so much coming out. It's just nice to see everybody so excited and seeing rumors cleared up or verified. It's just it's exciting. And it's like I do hope to hear something from Marvel because it's like Spider-Man, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Endgame wasn't the end of this phase. The new Spider-Man was the end of this phase. So we're coming into right. like the new generation, which probably means you know new heroes, new storylines, new everything, and it is going to be very big for it. I don't, not particularly sure that we'll hear something huge, huge, but it would come out of nowhere if they're like, by the way, introducing this new hero we're going to have in, it would be very exciting. But, but besides that, I'm just excited for basically the buzz. Like I'm excited for everybody else to be excited, I guess. Yeah, I, I, we're going to be, Geek Vibes is going to be um, in full effect at this year's San Diego Comic-Con, so I don't want to downplay it, but the Comic-Con to be at, uh, as far as San Diego, will be next year, because um, uh, you'll get the Batman, you'll get um, whatever is going to be the other movies going forward in the MCU, it's just going to be, it's going to be so much more, we'll have more information by that point. Um, so that's going to be the Comic Con that's that can't miss it. You just you can't. Uh, that's going to be the one everyone. I'm saying this now. I, I will be there. The Batman? Are you serious? Yes. To see them all come out. <laughs> you can book it. I'll be there. Um, Juwan yeah. will literally sell like everything he has just to buy a plane ticket and a hotel room just to make sure that he gets to San Diego Comic Con next year. <laughs> I'll give you a step further. I'll walk to San Diego and then I will sleep on the street uh, if necessary just to be there for the Batman. Uh, I miss Ben when he was the Batman. I will not miss this new Batman. I repeat, I will not. Um, So huge shout out to James uh, who will be covering Comic-Con for us. Also Sherry who will be there. Um, She has her own booth. Um, she also will be getting some coverage for us, so stay tuned. We're going to give you guys up to date every panel, every major panel, sorry, um, that comes out of San Diego Comic-Con. Last year, Joelle did it, took like a three-day rest because it was so time-consuming. The year before I did it, I think I was gone for like two weeks. It's very draining, uh, but it's going to be so much fun, and I want to thank Tia, Pal, Brittany, Dom for joining me on this all-new episode of Geeks Against the Grain. Um, We're going to try our best to not have to record this late again. Um, so we'll see you guys hopefully not the same time, but same place next week. So then, peace. Have a good night. Good night. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.